This week, we're talking about one of the more original ways of not being original, the spinoff. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. When people who make TV shows don't have any new ideas, they construct new shows out of their old ideas. And you can see why. You've got characters and situations that have been tested. The viewers already know what they're in for. You don't have to train them to like something new. And that's how you end up with Fear the Walking Dead. The same old shit, just in a new package. Similar ingredients, new arrangement. Kind of like everything at Taco Bell, you know? It's the same number of ingredients, just in a different order. Or maybe now with Sriracha. So you add some Sriracha, and that's how you get Fear the Walking Dead. I don't know that spinoffs are a good idea, but they are a staple. And we thought it'd be fun to look back at some of the better and some of the worst spinoffs. Uh, we've been told we drone on a little bit, too. That we, we talk about fresh shit for too long, and then we we go to our topic. When people really came to the podcast looking for information on the topic, and I can understand that. So we're doing something a little different this week. If you want to just jump straight to the topic, go to minute 28 and skip all of our nonsense. But bear in mind, our nonsense really is the show. We're magnificently huge. That's how we roll. That was a rhyme. Anyway, so let's get on with spinoffs, shall we? Welcome back, everybody. Don't be so enthusiastic. Don't Welcome back, so... everybody. <laughs> hey, it's the morning zoo. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Welcome to the next running man. Okay. <laughs> Uh, how's everybody been this week? Great, great. I've got some interesting fresh shit, I think. This shit is fresh! Oh, shit, that is fresh. This stuff is really fresh! I always think my shit is interesting, but, you know, debatable. It is debatable. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird, uh, uh, sort of round-the-way kind of interesting. I'm listening to Howard Stern. They mention Larry Linville. Uh, and I go, oh, who's Larry? Oh, wait, that's Frank Burns. Whatever happened to Frank Burns? So I go through a Wikipedia um, spiral of Frank Burns, and one of his credits that they mention is Super Train after MASH. And I, I thought, <laughs> Super Train? What is, what in the living shit is Super Train? Do you two? Oh, well, God. Yeah. I sent you guys uh, a link to the pilot episode or TV movie, and Super Train was a 1978 NBC hour-long, I guess, variety drama, you'd call it. It was the same kind of structure as The Love Boat, only it takes place on a nuclear-powered bullet train (laughs) that had shopping malls and swimming pools, and, and, yeah, there was, like, a regular cast, but there was a guest cast with stories every week. And I'm watching this, and I'm like, this whole thing is like a dream you would have of a show that you're in. You know, it was like a really weird fever dream with Jamie Farr. 
yeah. Let me, I mean, to give you an idea, one episode I watched, and yeah, I could not stop watching. Joyce DeWitt <laughs> is an heiress uh, who is being guarded by Vic Tabak, who's Mel from Alice's Diner, uh, from Alice, <laughs> and Jamie Farr, who's like the comic buffoonish FBI cop guy, and Tony Danza is a reporter who finds out that the heiress is on there and is trying to get a story. What the f- Fuck? All the while they're on a train that isn't really much faster than any normal bullet train and would actually cross uh, New York to L.A. That's its route, New York to L.A., in about a day and a half. You know, like so fast you don't need a mall or a swimming pool or a disco. Oh, there's a disco. Did I mention the disco? They have like wow. a disco scene every episode. It's fucking well, that what, late, amazing. That's late 70s. Is like every train show. faster than a speeding bullet? Uh, apparently not. Uh, there, there are also lots of gun, gunshots. Oh yeah, that's right. Almost every episode, read the episode list in Wikipedia. Almost every episode involves a hitman or a kidnapping. It's like we are replete with hitmen in 1978. It is crazy. So nuts. And this show was so expensive at its time, it nearly bankrupted NBC. That's the part that really gets me. It was the same year as um, the Olympics that we boycotted, and NBC had had the Olympic rights, so they got shafted twice. Oh, it's just amazing. I mean, go on YouTube and look up Super Train and watch. If you can get through a full episode, you're a better man than I, Gunkadin, because they were <laughs> so, horrible. I thought you said you couldn't stop watching. Uh, I couldn't, it's, but I had to like keep clicking forward going, oh my God. Oh this, my God. This all, sound, yeah. this all sounds to me like uh, what the movie Snowpiercer is based on. Am I wrong? Yes. Oh my shit. Why did I not see that? Yes. It's no okay. piercer with like a romantic comedy element. Yes. It's like so like the pitch meeting would be like yeah. in Snowpiercer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like uh Last if take- to Busan without the zombies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh god. So that's so I recommend hole. highly. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can't think of anything more interesting to add than that. I did watch Mute, which is a movie on Netflix made by Duncan the, Jones. the new Duncan Jones. Yeah, okay. yeah. and there, it, it's pretty good. It's not his best, but there is a funny tie-in that um, the character from Moon is in this and all of his clones. I was going to say, is he the original <laughs> character from Moon, or is he just a clone of that guy? Yeah, it's a tie-over. It's basically, they've, they've you know, you, you only see it in like 10 seconds of news footage, but there's some kind of trial going on, and they're all there. And you can tell something, basically he made it back to Earth, and there's some kind of lawsuit going on. It's funny. Okay. But it's, it's, worth, nice. it's worth watching. Not the best. Not bad. Um, Duncan Jones is getting a little more... I don't know. I don't know if it's lazy, but he's not quite as good as his twists. Maybe he's getting the M. Shyamalan disease, where it has to have a Maybe. twist every time, and it's getting. No, a he's having to. Re- he's having to do penance for Warcraft. Warcraft, yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't see that. I, I saw it at yet. the Dollar Theater. I don't think many people. It was. Did. Uh, it was about worth the Dollar Theater price. Is it a tie into uh, the world of? Oh yeah, no, it's the movie version of Blizzard's Warcraft yeah. oh. universe. Oh, bad idea. Yeah. Bad idea. It, yeah. Eh. Eh. I don't know. I'm going to avoid it. That's just me. 
it's not that great. <laughs> yeah. I'll 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 watch it when it's free on YouTube and I can watch it the way I watch Super Train, like like every five, six minutes, click forward. <laughs> yeah. In your underpants drinking cocktails. That's how I imagine yeah. that happened. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good move, cocktails. I gotta try that next time. All right, that's my yeah. fresh shit. Well thanks, Eric. Uh I didn't really get to anything this week, uh, except I did today uh go see Black Panther. Marvel's Black Panther. All right, let's do this. Yeah. That is one of mine. <laughs> I figured I figured it would be, and I didn't think Eric had seen it yet. Uh, no. So once again, we are two thirds away from consensus on something. Uh, yeah, but Eric's not going to see it till it hits Netflix. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. And I'm not going to care if you ruin anything. Go for it. Uh, <laughs> I liked it a lot. It's, I understand uh, he's a panther who's black. Yeah. Is that, but is he's, that, yeah, okay. it's a. But it's, it's also about militant uh, civil rights activists. Yeah, but it's and, also and, as my. And I'm yeah. going to guess something happens where he's in jeopardy, but he makes it out in the end. Kind of. But okay. I would like to point out that <laughs> that uh, it's called Black Panther. But as my wife has always wanted to point out, uh, they don't call uh, Falcon Black Falcon. So it's kind <laughs> of already sort of on the cusp. It's like, why do you need to call him Black Panther? Why can't you just call him Panther? But I guess it doesn't have the ring. Uh, to be fair, it was created in the 60s when you needed to sort of differentiate, I guess. Yeah. Uh, technically, it was created before the Black Panther yeah, party. Yeah. yeah. So uh, maybe they named themselves after the comic book character. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. Uh, but I, I dug it. I thought uh, it, it honestly is the most nuanced of the Marvel movies if you can even call a Marvel movie nuanced. But they do tackle a lot of issues uh, related to the African-American experience in a very deft way. They don't really shove it down your throat, but at the same time, they're not sort of tripping around it. Uh, They bring a lot of stuff to the forefront and, and really kind of hash it out directly. I was kind of like, what? I don't understand. How does Marvel do this? How do they? How do they do this? And then it's making like seven hundred million dollars uh, at this stage worldwide. Yeah, it's outpacing the Avengers. Yeah, it's so actually, it's like yeah, yeah. So suck it alt right because it's uh, yeah. it's pe- people of color uh, basically ru- ru- running themselves uh, without any right. uh, interference from Whitey. Uh, it's women of power. Uh, who can hold their own and are equals. Uh, I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff that would just make the alt-right head explode. And I love it for that. Uh, (laughs) The design is really cool. Uh, They call it Afrofuturistic and all of the Mm -hmm. press stuff I've seen, but really it's just fun. Did you see... So did you see some of the alt-right efforts to, like, to hurt this movie? Like, they they did a a review bomb on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like they were even like having people pose for pictures with fake black eyes yeah. at the theater, saying they got beat up at the theater. Like, yeah. are oh, you wow. fucking kidding me, assholes? Yeah, the only people who are gonna really? fall for that are the people that are already in your cabal. You fucking right. white, white mm. Nazi knucklehead. God. All right. Uh, so, so yeah, I wanna I wanna take this movie on as a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie for a minute here because <sighs> there were things about it that bug me. 
and this isn't my my privilege showing. This is just talking about it as a Marvel movie. Even Doctor Strange, which is basically you know magic. Yeah. You know, up until Doctor Strange, they'd always tried to come up with some justification for things that was semi plausible. And in Doctor Strange's case, it's like parallel dimensions and shit. And but but this movie just tosses any attempt at explaining plausibility straight out the window. We've got magic herbs in this thing. There's an ancestral afterlife, and well, um, it's all. And then we got we got to talk about vibranium. Yeah, it's all from vibranium, which is a giant asteroid that lands there, and then basically gives them all of this stuff. So they basically yeah, right. got so it from have, space. So they it's, have they have the strong metal yeah. that can also telescope down, and all of that's fine. Like I can I can kind of get along with that, but then it also can make like holograms. And it can make things fly, and it's a power source, and it heals like your wounds, mm-hmm. and it can absorb kinetic energy and spit it back out. Like vibranium can do all of this shit. Now we know that Tony Stark had Captain America's shield in Iron Man Two. You're telling me he couldn't just dis- dis- Tony Stark couldn't figure out any of that shit from having vibranium around? He was too busy really? creating his own element. <laughs> shut up Mm. yeah he was looking for a power source (laughs) and guess what vibranium is in this fucking movie Uh, i call bullshit it's awesome is what it is why do you hate the black man brian why do you have to put him down like this that's just your white privilege talking (laughs) yeah exactly i'm a middle-aged white guy (laughs) that's why well here's the thing and it's i don't really have that much of a beef with the way that it sort of I'm in sticks a state out that in the was Marvel. forced to take on Martin Luther King Day just to get the Super Bowl. We had to yeah. get rid of President's Day. Yeah. To, yeah. So I'm, I don't have a big beef in the MCU kind of thing because I don't really have any sort of vested interest in whether or not they adhere to anything with that. Uh, I just like a good mm-hmm. story. And for this one, they actually had a, a very well thought out baddie whose motivations were very clear. Mm. And yes. I and I thought that was a very deft handling. It wasn't just oh, smash stuff, make bad. It's like this guy had real grievances, even though he was sort of going in a very wrong direction to air them and uh, and mm. sort of fix them. Uh, it's but I thought it was a dark mirror of the protagonist. Yeah. That's always kind of the strength of Marvel characters, though, is that they're always uh, character driven, right. good or bad. Whereas you know DC, it's just I, I'm the bad person. And now I'm yeah. the I'm gonna do overpowered bad things. Right. Yeah. But uh, I, I saw a good quote. I think it was Mark Millar who said it this week. He said the DC is about the powers, mm-hmm. and Marvel is about the characters. Yeah. Exactly. Except for Batman. Yeah. So it was good. Uh, my only real thing is when I when I saw the marketing ramping up to it, I just thought, oh great, it's just you know, it's like a a black version of Thor. I mean, that's what it looks like. Because you've got the, the, the magic. Because it's the, you know, the prince. Black Thor. Yeah. It's the, it's the prince and it's the magic kingdom. And then you've got the, the sort of power struggle internally and all that stuff. And then all the, the magic and, and whatnot. And it looked very fantastical. And, it just, and I went, okay, it's, it's Thor. Can I ask? I, I heard that um, the, 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 uh, the city, the, the Wakandan capital, Wakandan yeah. capital is hidden. Nobody knows it's yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the in part the context, of that's another that's thing vibranium true. can do. Yeah. Fucking well, invisible city. Yeah. What's, what's yeah, funny is in the comics vibranium. it's just there. You know, it's like there's there's an uh, under, understanding that Africa 
and you know the Wakanda nation is a superpower in its own right. Yeah, I well, I think it's funny they have to say it's hidden. That's why you, the viewer of this movie, have never heard of it. Yeah, well, and it also sets the well, stage for so the, the far. The well, it sets it up for the the next because at the end of it, everybody knows yeah. where it is. So they kind of disperse mm, yeah. with that. They do their "I am Iron Man" moment. Yeah, uh, but, the, but, but in this one, it because the the whole point of that in Kugler's script, I think, is to sort of play with the whole idea of uh, the African colonialism and like the Belgian Congo stuff. Yes, uh, that's pretty much why it's there because they refer to everybody who's not from Wakanda as colonizer in a very derogatory sort of way. Uh, and that Smart. kind of plays with that. And then other people coming in who are of Wakandan descent but not from Wakanda are also viewed as outsiders. And then so that's Kugler playing with the whole uh, connecting with your heritage thing and being sort of rejected by that. I mean, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on that just It's also really, the thing that drives the, yeah. the primary conflict, right? Like the yeah. bad guy's whole beef is hey, we have all this stuff and our people around the world are in terrible shape and we should be helping them and yeah. we're not. We're yeah. just hiding here and this isn't okay. So it's, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going on. But what got me was that, so I thought, you know, oh, great, another Thor. And then they kind of dispense with that. So, yeah, it's a little Thor, but it basically uh, is better than what Thor did. Uh, and <laughs> then Thor it turns now little Thor. Yeah. <laughs> and then it sort of turned into this weird, like, uh, James Bondy Mission Impossible kind of motif where they've got all these techs and gadgets and, you know, he's got his uh, cue at the headquarters giving them all the stuff. And then they go on their mission and then yeah. it literally look, looks looks like it's lifted straight out of Skyfall. We're in that the, uh, the casino in Macau. That is the uh, best scene to yeah. that, that whole casino uh, bit. And then Andy Serkis shows up and, and wreaks havoc as uh, the, as the, which should be the primary villain, but then he's sort of, he's the, the tertiary villain. Uh, Dr. So that, Claw. Yeah. And then they, and then <laughs> I'll they, get you next time. <laughs> and then, uh, and then they dispense with the mission impossible stuff. And then it becomes vaguely star Warsy for a time. And then you have the big Lord of the Rings finale, which is punctuated by, yeah. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but Martin Freeman is in this, and at one point, they're actually trekking through the snowy mountains, trying to find like the the hidden lair of, of another <laughs> tribe or whatever. And it literally, like, you can just hear the swelling of the Lord of the Rings music and all of this. I'm like, oh, look, it's Bilbo. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, come on. So Kugler definitely uh, picked and chose a lot of elements from other stuff uh, to kind of give it a, a pastiche that is familiar, I guess. Uh, but he can't stage the action near as well as the Russo brothers do in the Captain America movies. So that's to me was its only was one of its true weaknesses because it's just it's not as compelling an action movie. But it's not really an action movie, so it doesn't matter. I don't know. It's kind of a kind of a weird beast in the Marvel so, world. That's the segue into my fresh shit. If unless you have other stuff, no, I got that's all I got. Okay, so that was my other criticism of this movie. Was I mean. You saw the trailer, and the trailer kind of promises a whole lot of really great action, but it doesn't really pay off. And the thing is, I did the Ryan Coogler double feature. I watched Creed this week on top of watching (laughs) Black Panther. The dude can stage a fight scene, okay? Like, Creed has got some fucking fight scenes. And I don't understand how that guy and the star of Creed delivered the boring-ass fight that we got at the end of Black Panther. Yeah, Um, it's... 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. So, have you guys seen Creed? I saw it no. uh, uh, over the summer. So, yeah, I saw it. I haven't seen Fruitville Station, so I don't have that to compare to. I, I, I can't get I anything either. tied. I can't get into anything tied into the Rocky universe. I'm, I'm just, I'm old enough to have been pummeled by each of those films. I'm, I, <laughs> I couldn't Creed watch it if I bizarre. wanted to. Creed fair, is Creed is Creed is a. It is a sequel, a reboot, and a remake all at once. Oh, like. It, it, it is a sequel. It and a clearly is in the Rocky continuity. And a spinoff. And the plot is about how he, he wants to, like, forge his own way and not, um, you know, make his way based on the names of the past. But this movie totally makes its way on the names of the past. Yeah. And it makes its way... It, it is a remake of Rocky, basically. Like, the all of the, pl- the beats are the same. The ending is the same. It's yeah. the same movie, just not. Yeah. It's just that Rock, Rocky's turned into Mick. In this one, so that's yeah. right. that's kind of fun to watch. That I knew, uh, yeah. But otherwise, and Tessa Thompson from Thor Ragnarok is the girl. Yeah, and, uh, and the girl. <laughs> <laughs> there the girl. is, you know, the female. <laughs> uh, you know, it's not a burn yeah. on you. It's that's the way movies are. Sports movie, and and the the token woman, you know, the trophy is played by. Yep, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Um. It's it's pretty damn good though. I mean, um, was it what's his name? Michael B. Jordan is that it? Yeah, who is Killmonger in in Black Panther and and uh, Creed Junior in yeah. uh, in Creed? He's really good, and the the fight scene especially that everyone calls out in Creed and they should is an entire boxing match that is shot as if it's one take. And there really aren't places where you look at it and go, oh, that's where they did the the wipe or the cut or the, you know, like hid the cut. It's fucking well put together. Um, and the camera's just going in and out of everywhere in the boxing ring. It's well, it's well made. And they kind of did the same thing in the casino scene in Black Panther, where little, yeah, the whole bit. fight is like a big single take thing. Yeah. It's kind of a kind of a reaction to the over editing we've had in the last twenty years, isn't it? Where the cuts have been getting faster and faster and faster yeah, until you get yeah. nauseous. It's the the debayification. I actually saw a little making of video on YouTube where Kugler is talking about that scene in the casino, and he talks about how they fly the camera up from the ground floor up to a balcony where there's a whole other fight going on, and then a cameraman grabs it off of the wire and moves in handheld, and it's all being done. You know, wow. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was pretty hardcore. Yeah. Okay, and then later, when they're now. doing the the Lord of the Rings stuff, you get uh, battle rhinos, which is fun. Yep. So you've also got that. So anyway, that was that was uh, one movie. I saw a bunch of movies this. I went and saw The Princess Bride at the theater because they were showing it, and Jolene wanted to go, so we did that. As you um, wish. You can die too, for all I care. Oh. Ah. Still, still worth your time. But yeah, the other movie I saw, I saw today. I went to see Game Night with the Jason Bateman. Yeah, and Rachel McAdams. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we say about Game Night? Game Night is ostensibly a comedy, and it's funny at times. Uh, but it's it's like the comedy version of the game, the David Fincher movie with Michael Douglas. Yeah. 
I read a review, and I think I'm going to agree with these reviewers. It's directed by John Francis Daly and whoever his partner in crime has been. Oh, I didn't realize it was theirs. Uh, okay. The kid from Freaks and Geeks. That, but, fa- that vacation um, re- redux was awful. I'm going to just say that. Yeah, that was not good. This is much better than the vacation redux. Uh, but but the reviewer said, this is them getting trained to, to direct The Flash. This is like an audition tape for they want to make a superhero movie. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I can kind of see it because, yeah, and they they pull it off. I will say this. I thought that I was two steps ahead of this movie, and when all the twists and turns finally play out, I totally wasn't. So I was happy to have been misled that way. That was nice. Um, And uh, the guy who was the lead in the uh, Black Mirror episode that was the Star Trek one, he has a... He has a fun turn in this too. He he plays the next door neighbor who's a cop, and he's like, like really socially awkward and and a fun character to watch. He's Todd from Breaking Bad. If you watched any Breaking Bad, he's he's the he's the scariest sociopath you've ever seen in anything. <laughs> so the only other thing I want to talk about, um, fresh it wise, is in front of game night was a trailer for the god-fucking-terriblest movie. It's called Blockers. And I had not heard of it until I saw this trailer today. Blockers is... A, it's, it's really cock-blockers because the, the logo is a rooster over the word blockers. It stars John Cena. So we're already off to a great start, right? So the... The uh, the gag here is it's a teen sex comedy where it's prom night and all these these high school girls have made a pact to lose their virginity on prom night and John oh God, Cena is the preview. dad and he and his wife and their friends try to go fuck up prom night for these kids and 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 be cock blockers and in in the trailer in the green band trailer he says shit. And he does a beer bong up the ass. <laughs> of course. Uh, um, this, it, I don't know who this movie is for. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if you need popcorn bad enough, you're going to go watch it. <laughs> no, I'm really not. This, I mean, this sucked. Uh, I'll go watch Peter Rabbit again. Fuck that thing. Ouch. Mm. There's your Aren't blurb. There, I mean, not to... Aren't there some movies though you kind of look at before you go in and you go, oh, I I know I'm in trouble here. You know, it's like it's like you're oh, about to. There are a lot of movies I choose entry not to onto go the see. freeway and it's covered in ice and you go, this is not going to end well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that and that's that's one of them. I'm not ever seeing blockers because fuck that thing. Has John Cena oh, been any, in anything good? He's like trying so hard to 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 be the new rock, and it's just not working. Yeah, hey, I, yeah. I loved him like in there's Trainwreck. There's some animated feature. There, there's some animated feature he's in, and like half of the preview was film Birdman. of him standing there looking at the camera, like, "Hi, I'm not the rock, but you know, kinda, and I'm in this." Well, uh, say say what you will about John Cena, but uh, the the YouTube clip of him playing uh, "Where Is My Mind" on the piano is quite impressive. So I'll give him really. That. Yeah, it's quite poetic. Uh, but yeah, his movies suck.
Okay, so welcome to Magnificently Huge. Let's introduce ourselves first before we forget. Yeah, let's do that. I'm I'm your host this week, Eric Reed, and hi, I'm here hi, with Eric. my compatriots, who are. Um, <laughs> yes, that's Eric over there. <laughs> over there. Let's go alphabetically now. <laughs> and that's Brian Kruger. Ah, oh, damn it! You outed me. <laughs> he's, okay, he's our our, our our engineer and co-host and and all around awesome guy. And then there's Chris Ryerson, who's in Texas. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That significance of that—that's yeah, pretty much yeah, what you're going to get out of that. That, that sums up my entire contribution yeah. to this fucking thing. <laughs> so you're welcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, I wanted to talk about spinoffs um, because it's 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 a subject that doesn't get talked about much and probably doesn't need to. But there's so much background on spinoffs. And especially for media geeks like us, worth delving into, no? It, I think so. It's worth making a podcast about. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, fuck it, why not, right? Yeah, you know you know who probably the first spinoff uh, character was in all of, I guess, uh, mass market entertainment? Mm, I no? think I read it on Wikipedia, but I'll tell you if oh, you're did right. you Bozo the Clown? Nope. <laughs> nope. Falstaff appears in four of Shakespeare's plays. Uh, he, he's a major character in Henry the First and Henry the Second, and uh, pretty much has his own show in The Merry Wives of Windsor. In, in the William uh, Shakespeare cinematic universe. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Shakespeare. And he's Jesus, I'm already <laughs> bored. Oh, God, I hate Shakespeare. <laughs> That's right, I said it. No, I do. I hate Shakespeare. Why? I just don't get yeah, it. Yeah, you can, you can say, like, a lot of the kings are spinoffs, because, you know, they, they appear in all the... But they're real characters. Falstaff is made up. He has he, his funeral is mentioned in Henry V, even though he doesn't appear. And he was the character that if he was in the play, if there if it was a Falstaff play, people showed up. It, he put asses in seats in Shakespeare's time. Okay, huh. so that's what you consider modern media because you said <laughs> I didn't modern say media. Modern. Correct? I said okay. I said mass market, like like okay. like mass audience. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So because I was so is, be that a an, is that just a pseudonym for false stuff? Is that his name? <laughs> Maybe. I think it's because he's an he's an old guy who you know is like led around by his heart on, and so. Okay. Well, I I was sort of then yeah that's totally not what I found. I was more going from a a more modern uh, standpoint, uh-huh. but I did find on the Wikipedia's uh, that. As far as the modern media era goes, meaning uh, the m- early mid twentieth century, uh, the radio program Fibber McGee and Molly uh, had a character uh, named Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve that became the star of was his he, own program. Was he a closeted character? <laughs> I would assume so. Yeah, he was just—he uh, would fall out of the closet. Know, where's my portable? Oh, I know. It's right here in the hall closet. No one's going to get that, but I love it. And one of the most successful, the earliest, most successful spinoffs, and I didn't know this until I was researching for the show, The Honeymooners, technically, is a spinoff 
of yeah. the Jackie Gleason show. It was just mm -hmm. a sketch. Oh. And Jackie Gleason said, I'm tired of doing this hour-long sketch show. Can, can I just do a canned sitcom? So they started just doing The Honeymooners. Jackie Gleason. Yeah. The Honeymooners. Well then. You are correct, sir. Were there yes. Were spinoffs of The Honeymooners? Did that spawn other shows? Uh, uh, I don't, don't know. think so. I, I can look that up on the Wikipedias while you palaver. Because uh, we have the internet at our fingertips. I think in the 90s on the USA Network, they had uh, Norton the Murdering Garbage Man, which may or may not have been a connection. To... I think that's uh, more of a spiritual cousin than an outright yes, official. Yes, that's good. I like okay. that. It shares DNA. It shares DNA. <laughs> yeah, I hate that phrase. Fuck you if you say it shares uh, DNA. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been trying not to swear, and I just did. Okay, dollar in the well, chip in the swear jar. That's a, yeah, yeah, oh, that's probably a good point. We do swear a lot on this show, huh? I we swear, swear so a much. lot. I listened to the last friendly. show, and I'm like, I really sound dumb, because I can't think of anything else to say, so I just swear. Yeah. I think we should just do old-timey swears if we're going to swear, just to jazz it up a little. Consarnate. What are old-timey swears? I, I know, I <laughs> know father, this is a sidetrack. And my father had the fake swear of dirty physoramic packaloomer, he would say, and I'd... I don't know how it would occur to you to spit that out if you hit your hand with a hammer or something. So spinoff is the it's different from uh, a, like a reboot. Then correct? That was yes. what I was sort of yes. mo moving towards. Okay. Then then I then I studied appropriately. Here's the next thing I have on my list of uh, talking notes, and this is maybe a better way to launch off into it. How do you define a spinoff? And I came up with what I think are three easy rules. It, uh, it's a popular character on a show that gets its own show. It yeah. is a show that grows out of the end of another show with the remaining yeah. cast, usually because Correct. the real stars of the first show, contractual, you know, after contractual negotiations, said they didn't want to do it anymore. Think from Friends to Joey. Uh, or yeah, I suppose that that could be the same thing as Rule One, though. It's just the taking a popular character and creating a show. Right. Well, not necessarily, and, and we can get into this. Several. We can get into that. But uh, the Andy Griffith show uh, begat Mayberry RFD, and they literally like mm -hmm. the end of the Andy Griffith show. They basically introduced the Ken Berry character who would take over in Mayberry RFD with some of the ancillary, and they literally right. made mm -hmm. that the transition. So. Yeah, so I, I agree with yeah, that okay. particular assessment. And the the third one is the backdoor pilot, which is, yeah. I, I, I love the concept of the backdoor pilot because it's like just the height of cheesy. And the, yeah. the idea for doing this podcast came from the Goldbergs a couple of weeks ago. They had a 90s right. episode that was to take place in, you're never going to guess this, the 90s, at the same high school that the Goldbergs takes place in, uh, where the... Uh, um, the guidance counselor, Tim Meadows, is the lead. And there are all the ancillary characters, plus some new people you might be interested in. Awful. They actually promoted it as a spin-off special, when in fact it was a pilot they shot that got rejected. And since they already had this thing <laughs> on the shelves, they decided to stick it into the Goldberg's time slot. It was, it was atrocious. But but a backdoor pilot is when you make an episode and you it is really a pilot for a different show, but you present it as part of yeah. the original show. It's spinning off of um, yeah. There's a Star Trek episode. So, 
that does that. I want to. I want to ask. I think I've got the exception that proves these rules. Then, um, what was that show in the Norman Lear universe that took place in Archie Bunker's old house? Something or other, Hauser. Oh yeah, yeah. Like Ford four twenty. I don't. Con- I don't think that's a true spinoff. So I think they were just sort of. That's taking a location from another show and yeah. making a new show in that yeah. location. It's like if you did cheers now and it was like a whole different staff at the bar mm-hmm. and different regulars or something <laughs> oh, but would, wouldn't that be fun that was another question i had because we were talking about the the alphabet soup police procedurals like ncis and csi and all of those yeah and one might say that they are you know spin-offs but they're they don't share characters all they are, are procedurals with the same letters in the name in a different city let me let me do this thing because this is another bit that i found while looking some stuff up, there's a term called Sidequel, uh, which is a show that exists in the same chronological frame as its predecessor, but has a different cast, etc. So mm. it's so it's a Sidequel. Did these CSI shows ever cross over? Uh, um, I honestly couldn't tell you because I don't watch them. I don't watch this. Stuff. <laughs> so I have Law no idea. Yeah, but I have no idea. They probably do. Uh, I don't all know. I, all I know is that NCIS is a spinoff from JAG, so that really? NCIS is not even its own thing. It's like a, yeah, it's a it's a spinoff of the okay. Show JAG. What are either of those acronyms for? Judge Advocate uh, General, Judge Advocate General, and then uh, Naval Crime Scene mm-hmm. Investigation. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I, okay. I think, well, I think my parents yeah. watched those shows. My parents loved those shows. <laughs> I think we've just proven that between Eric and I, we do have one single brain. So, yeah, congrats. <laughs> what's, the, what's the S stand for? I, investigation S is... is show. What? I mean, scene. <laughs> Service. Service. <laughs> but, oh, oh, yeah. And then there's Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. That's how this really, this question came to me. It's like, well, that... That's a spin-off in that it's this, a couple of the, the writers from The Walking Dead, and you know they're a bunch of money-hungry fools, and so they came up with their own separate show, but yeah. it's disconnected. It's on the other side of the world. It has a different timeline. It's just there's zombies. Yeah. Well, what about The Talking Dead? I mean, so that's another thing is like now there's just I, these shows where they talk about the other I show. I don't see that as a spin-off. Mm. That's just like a barnacle on the whole of pop culture <laughs> but they're they're spreading like there's one for the as barnacles are want to do stranger things they've got one on netflix for god's sakes yeah like mm. for stranger things <sighs> just don't do it kids don't do it that's all we're yeah there's say. some gotta be some that's kind what of podcasts are that. for i mean i think of like <laughs> yeah <that's>, podcast <laughs> that to me is kind of like the uh the fallout shelter Mobile video game is not a sequel to the Fallout video games. They're completely different things, but they they share DNA. But it's yeah. like one is ah. definitely not as good as the other. Well, the thing with the the beloved character split that seems to be the most popular thing as far as spinoffs are concerned. And they've tried mm-hmm. like when we did our Norman Lear show, uh, like episode thirteen, the Norman Lear cinematic universe, and we talked about uh, all in the family. Begat Maud, begat Good Times, begat uh, Jefferson's, begat. I mean, just all these things, but they're all based on char- right. characters that they have in the show that everybody goes, oh, I love them. And then they go, well, let's give them their own show. And I've noticed the trend yeah. that there are so many 
uh, spinoffs that do that, but then uh, adding insult to injury because they're definitely not being super creative by plucking a character and just giving them a new show. So these new shows just basically contain the single name of the character in which they have taken the person. So you've got, <laughs> so you've got Maud, you've got Fish, you've got Frasier, you've got Benson, uh, Rhoda, Rhoda. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck, even Beavis and Butthead, Joey, did, did Phyllis. Daria, Phyllis, an underrated spinoff. Yeah, the Cloris Leachman spinoff of Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, yeah. There's uh, Golden Girls. Not many people know was a spinoff of Empty Nest. No, no, it's it's uh, the other way around, jackass. Golden Girls came no. first. Yes, Golden Girls came first, oh, and then okay. they they were the neighbors, and then uh, then Empty Nest became its own thing because they lived next door to oh. the Golden Girls. Okay, that's why Empty Nest is is inferior. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then, and then after Golden Girls ended and B. Arthur had left, then they tried another show uh, where Blanche and Rose and I think Sophia yeah, ended up owning a, a hotel or something, the Golden Palace, and they were running a Golden hotel. Palace, but basically, right. all of the staff had quit. And so they were left with like two staff members and they were running this hotel and then guest stars would show up. Oh my God, Faulty Towers? They were doing Faulty Towers. <laughs> Kinda, but with old ladies. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Oh, uh, the, I look here. The Star Trek episode I was talking about was uh, Assignment Earth with a uh, oh, humanoid fuck. named Gary yeah. Seven uh, who was sent to uh, Earth's far past um, to watch over Earth in the 1960s, and that was supposed right. to be a pilot for a different Roddenberry show. Yeah, it's. I forgot about that, it, but yeah, it, yeah. It's, it explains it's, why there's that weird little piece of uh, uh, dialogue Kirk has at the end of the episode. We looked at our historical records. You guys are going to be having some crazy adventures because <laughs> you know, the assumption being they got their wink, own show. Wink, wink. What else do your record tape show? I'm afraid we can't reveal everything we know, Mister Seven. Captain, we could say that Mr. Seven and Miss Lincoln have some interesting experiences in store for them. Yes, I think we could say that. Well, that would be, yeah. would you consider that a backdoor pilot? I would. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah, but totally. it's but it's amazing how many backdoor t- pilots they make that just don't get picked up. That just, they become mm-hmm. these weird sort of anomalous episodes in the the long run of these series. And the one that kills yeah. me, the one that always kills me is that really weird one that the Brady Bunch did towards the end of their run. Uh, it was in like season five, I guess it was. And it was Ken Barry and played a guy who he and his wife didn't have any kids. And so they adopted a kid. What is it and with then, Ken Barry? What? What is it with with uh, people named Barry and spinoffs? I don't know, but he was in Mayberry RFD, and then they tried to do this yeah. one with him. And I think he, I think he was in a like a Love Bug spinoff movie. I mean, who? who yeah, <laughs> he's just the king Wasn't of. Wasn't the there actually a Brady Bunch spinoff, like the Brady? Well, yeah, whatever. that. Well, that's yeah. the other thing. It was something. I mean, the it was the Brady Bunch became the Brady Kids, became the Brady Bunch Hour, became the Brady Brides, became just the Brady's right. Brady Brides. Uh, so they've had a long run of trying to kickstart this thing. I mean, it just, uh, but this, this backdoor one just freaks me out because it's called Kelly's kids and he and his wife, uh, play friends of Carol and Mike. 
And it's basically just them in the first like couple minutes just talking to them like, oh, hey, we really you know wanted to follow your example with your blended family and we're going to adopt a kid because oh, we're going to do that. And so they adopt We're this go to kid. Costco and pick up some children. Yeah. <laughs> so so they get this kid uh, named Matt, who's played by uh, Mike Lookinland's brother, and Mike Lookinland played uh, Bobby. And so they get his brother Todd Lookinland to play Matt. So it's already getting weird. So then, uh, like the the nosy neighbor of theirs comes over and says, "I don't like kids because she's just a super hardcore." bitch i'm just not gonna put it any other way sherwood schwartz did not mince with this character he just made her the biggest fucking bitch ever that's the square mm-hmm. jar times 10 uh so then they're like well yeah okay great screw you and then the kid's lonely so then he finds out he's got two best friends at the orphanage so they adopt them as well one kid is black and one kid is asian and then this lady's head like explodes I mean, literally, like, comes over, and then she's, like, this, like, just super bitchy bigot all of a sudden, and then Ken Berry's like, yeah, uh, eat a dick, <laughs> and that's pretty much the episode. Oh, hi. Uh, Mr. Kelly, I see you now have several children. Three altogether. Of, uh, various colors, one might say. You just did. Mind you, I'm not a bigot. I believe that blacks, yellows, everybody has a place in our society. Mr. Payne and I even managed to be cordial to the Shapiros on the next block. That's very generous of you. We try. (laughs) Nevertheless, three small boys are apt to be destructive, especially the minorities. Congratulations, Mrs. Payne. You have my vote for neighbor of the year. I considered that remark uncalled for. If nobody calls for it in 30 days, it's all yours, baby. Everything you use to describe this sounds much better than I'm sure the show is. Yeah. If her head oh, exploded, if yeah, Ken Barry said yeah. eat a dick, I would totally be down. Yeah. So so basically, uh, and, the, and then the wife uh, in the thing actually has this line, because this is like 1972 or something, uh, but it, literally the line is, she makes Archie Bunker sound like a liberal. That's how they describe this lady. So yeah, they did this like 30 minute show that has absolutely nothing to do with the Brady Bunch at all, uh, thinking they could get this like shoehorned in somehow and uh, didn't happen. And it's the we- I remember watching this was Brady Bunch him, as a like, kid trying and to this purge one the Brady Bunch on. from his system. Like what? he'd gotten so tired of writing this wholesome family friendly stuff that he wanted to like <laughs> yeah, probably have a character hey, who let's, kids. Yeah, let's let's write a really weird. Uh, sitcom about a blended family full of ethnic people and see how that rolls. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the backdoor pilot concept already, probably the the best well-known and the most recent one would be the episode of The Office where they tried to spin that off for Shroot Farms. Yeah. Where Rain Wilson and his weird family of beet farmers... <laughs> they have one episode. They had been yeah. talking about how Rain Wilson wanted to do a spinoff, and so they did it as an episode, and didn't happen. I guess everyone said no. Wasn't yeah. good. Well, the 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 backdoor pilots I wanted to call out. Um, first of all, I guess they and this one didn't air, so I don't know if it counts. But I guess it's been making the rounds. They did an Aquaman pilot as part of Smallville. Yeah, I was reading about that. Wow. Apparently, that's been making the rounds, and people say it's good, but. In in a similar vein <laughs> that did get aired was the greatest American heroine. Ah, I read that one too. Yeah, super suit. Uh, yeah, that's like a head slapper right there. Oh God. 
Well, everything about the greatest American hero is a head slapper, which, by the way, is getting a reboot soon. Hey, believe it or not. True. <laughs> I, you know what? Given believe the it or advances, not, it's still on the air. Yeah. Given yeah. the advances in superhero special effects, I might actually really be into that. Because that was always about a superhero who could give a shit less. And yeah. it was like anybody in an office trying to learn everything you can do with Excel, only with yeah. a superhero suit. Exactly. I, I, all I remember is the scene in like the pilot episode when he's got the suit and he doesn't want to do it, and his kids watching Super Friends, and Batman's like, "I've got the Batcopter in the eye of the hurricane," and he's just like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, there's well, you know, there's also the unintentional pilot. This is something I found reading for this that I'd never thought of before. It's something where. It tur- they they just do a little thing and it becomes so popular it turns into its own show. Yeah, the most famous I, example of this is The Simpsons, which was just a I short say, before the Tracy yeah. Ullman show. Yeah, possibly well, the most popular spinoff ever. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I I did find one that'll give it a run for its money though. That now that you bring it up, uh, mm-hmm. but the Waltons didn't actually start as a pilot. Uh, it was actually done as a TV movie based on Spencer's Mountain, which is a novel mm. about the, the, the Hickey family. Uh, yeah. And it was such a success that CBS ordered it into series. But that was also after 71 when the networks did what they call the rural purge. And that's basically yeah. where they looked at their slate of shows and they were all like Beverly Hillbillies, Petticoat Junction, Green Acres, Petticoat all Junction. this stuff. And they, they basically went, oh, we need to get rid of this junk. And so they literally just dropped all of that stuff off the slate. But as a result, mm-hmm. they didn't have anything to kind of sucker in middle America. So they went, well, let's get that Walton show. That looked pretty good. So, yeah, the same thing. Yeah. Same thing with Happy Days. That was an episode was of Love say. American Style. Yeah. Love yeah. American Style. And my favorite Which one. began uh, its own set of yeah, spinoffs. It's, a, yeah. it's own slew of <laughs> cultural yeah. detritus. Uh, but my favorite one. Uh, and I really feel lame saying this, but whatever. I got to own it. The Bionic Woman. Yeah. Jamie Summers was just a character on Six Million Dollar Man, which was kind of a show for boys of, you know, an action-y, every week, Incredible Hulk-like adventure right. of Steve Austin. And then the Bionic Woman happens. And the thing is, you watch Six Million Dollar Man now, and yeah, it's, it's, it's dopey. It's for kids. Bionic Woman is actually much more intelligent and interesting than you remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually really good. And they tried to bring that so, back, but they forgot to make it smart. We've been talking about variety shows that spawn series, right? So The Simpsons comes out of the Tracy Ullman variety show. Love American Style gives us happy days. Um, there, What was the other one that we just talked about that came out of variety show? Um, Jackie oh, Gleason Show and Honeymooners. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, and Mama's Family. Came out of Carol Burnett. Oh, oh, God, Mama's Family. Yeah. I forgot about that. So that's a, vari- that's a variety show and a, and a beloved character, so that's a double whammy. So go ahead, Brian. Sorry. Yeah. Here, here's an example that I, I wasn't on my radar, but when I did some homework, the What a Cartoon show on the Cartoon Network was used as a testing ground to create most of the Cartoon Network's lineup, like, you know, Dexter's Laboratory, Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, the Powerpuff Girls. Family Guy comes from the What a Cartoon mm-hmm. show. So yeah. they're to blame. Life of Larry. Okay. Excellent. So. Well, well, the the one that gets while well, we're talking about just nuggets that 
uh, Spawn. The so Happy Days comes out of Love American style, but Mork and Mindy comes from like a one episode of Happy right. Days with Robin Williams doing Mork. And I, I guess it was a dream sequence, a dream show. I can't remember. Well, uh, you know, it's funny. That, Most of Happy Days, Happy Days took place, was shot in the 70s, was supposed to take place in the 50s. They could never quite get the 50s right because they wanted the kids to watch. They really made a 70s show that took place in the 50s in some odd way. And yeah. so yeah. to make that spinoff, they were Mork, making American who's Graffiti an alien, the show. Yeah, he shows up and he freezes all of the characters so that he can, I guess, get uh, uh, Fonzie's cool. And it wasn't so much a dream sequence as it was Mork having superpowers that he never okay. has again in his own show. So, okay. But that one to me, I just always remember that was odd because it's just one 30-minute episode of Happy Days and then it spawns uh, Mork yeah. and Mindy. Very weird. And Mork is somewhat evil, really, which is also weird. Yeah. And he wasn't calling Orson just yet. Just yet. Well, yeah. another weird no, one, No, he too. was too busy time-raping the cast of Happy Days. <laughs> well, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> they don't call him Ralph oh, Mouth for nothing. wow. ba dum boom Time-raping. Uh, another one of these great <laughs> phrases that I've never heard before, and yet, the moment I hear it, I know exactly yet, what that F it means. Yeah. Well, some other weird ones, too, like you were talking about the cartoons. Uh, I totally forgot that She-Ra... Uh, came out of He Man. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, and they and they didn't and they didn't yep. run simultaneously. Like He Man ended, and then suddenly we've got Shira. Uh, so that was kind of an odd. I I totally forgotten about that. Yeah. Uh, Anyone remember Isis and Shazam? Barely. I definitely remember Mighty Isis, but I don't remember that Shazam was related to yeah. it. But yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So so that and then the other two that I wanted that uh, when BJ and the Bear. Uh, begat the misadventures of Sheriff Lobo, which I used to watch a lot. Uh, which was basically the 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 TV version of Smokey and the Bandit. Uh, let's be yeah. real. Uh, I I I'm sorry. I was about to like before you said all this. I was about to lead into is a spinoff a good idea or a bad idea? And I think Sheriff Lobo is the prime <laughs> example of bad idea. Uh, well, the other bad idea on that would be uh, when the Dukes of Hazard spawned Enos. Buckle up now. Yeah. Where he went to like Atlanta or somewhere and became a big city cop. But just the fact that the show was called Enos, which sounds like you know penis and. It's just really odd. Yeah. I never thought of that. Say, say it out what? loud with me. Say it out loud with me. Uh, you watch most of the television of the, the from the mid seventies to the mid eighties. You watch what was on television and how bad it was. And we should show this to kids and say this is why we made cocaine very illegal because it's more than <laughs> exactly. just your brain. It's all of our brains. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that and disco, right? Yeah. This yeah. is your this is your culture on drugs. <laughs> Basically. Uh I want to say this about disco. Disco took an awful lot of talent to perform. I mean, think about the technical know-how to perform this terrible terrible music, but yeah, I I, don't give <laughs> I I like a good disco track, but geez, you know, that's a lot of effort put into that. Okay. Yeah, there's there is some other show we could do on the whole disco thing that I'm sure involves musicians unions and mm. string sections going we we, we want in <laughs> and horn players, yeah. Well, here here's one Ooh. is I don't know if, if there's any term for this, 
but basically it, uh, a series that was conceived in and of itself, uh, but for some reason the network decides that they want to shoehorn it into some sort of spinoffy thing to kind of coattail it. Uh, mm. and, and I bring this up mm. because of a, a very ubiquitous uh, sitcom from the, the late 70s called Hello, Larry, starring McLean <laughs> Stevenson. Uh, which was theoretically the bad choices. Yeah. Like, Oh, mash. I could do better than mash. Fuck. Yeah. (laughs) So, so and for those who aren't old enough to know this, this is the guy who was the, uh, he was a character in mash in mash. The film, they make mash the, the TV show, which I'm not sure if that's a spinoff or not, but he does one season, yeah. says, I don't want to tie myself to this. People love me. And from yeah. the rest of his career, for the rest of his life, does like, I think he did four shows. They all went immediately off the air. And a couple of fantasy I say MASH, MASH is like the odd couple. It's it's a port. You know, like it's a yeah. it's a translation to another medium. It, I would, yeah. I but Hello Larry started. It's they, the same characters. Yeah. Yeah. But, for, but for Hello Larry, they they tied it to different strokes. They ostensibly made him an old army buddy of Philip Drummond, uh, the rich guy who adopts uh, Willis and Arnold, and uh, and oh. then and then he moves to Portland to uh, work for a radio station, uh, and then it fizzled after like two seasons because it wasn't funny, yeah. which is basically the entire plot line of Frasier uh, years later. So <laughs> that's another spinoff where they do the same thing, but they do it better and become an icon in and of itself. Uh, so Maybe I always think that's a funny. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like better supporting than, characters more right. than just uh, a guy whose name we know and his kids. I think that's right. really the thing. Stop putting kids in shows. Kids are not interesting. What you what you talking Grown about, Eric? Problems are interesting. <laughs> yeah. The idea, though, that there's a different strokes connection. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, it's very tenuous. And I always thought, yeah, it was a total spinoff. But then I was reading that and they just sort of said, well, we need something to jazz this piece of junk up. Blah, blah, blah. And so there's, there's that. I mean, so- Unlike the Facts of Life, which is the the actual spinoff that is probably spin-off better. Yeah, that's probably better than the show that it spun from uh, because of Mrs. Mm. Garrett and then all of the Facts of Life girls. And that that's... The- okay, I want to well, do that. Shows, well, the- spinoffs that are better than the original show. Okay. Mm, yeah, good. Well, well, the Facts of Life I will start with because... Uh, it was the longest-running sitcom of the 1980s, apparently. Uh, it ran from 78 to 86, so it had an eight-year run. And then when it ended in 88, it was the longest-running NBC primetime series up to that that spot, uh, mm. which is just weird, considering that it's a spinoff. And then I think at that point, like Mrs. Garrett was barely in it. So it's just strange. So right. I guess it's true. You can take right. the good and you can take the bad. But if you take them both, you can take them both. Then there you have uh, the facts. Well, there you it. have it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. All right. My nominee, and you already mentioned it. Uh, Daria is better than Beavis and Butthead. I never yeah. watched Daria. Yeah. But I'll take your word for it. It's a very different show. 
It was yeah. Daria was all of us in high school going, eh, f- forget it. <laughs> yeah. You're all dumb. I I don't want to participate. Can I be done now? Yeah. It's pretty much Daria's deal. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, another one that I would, uh, granted, I haven't seen enough of either of these shows to be definitive about this, but I would bet you that popular culture would agree that Xena Warrior Princess is superior <laughs> yeah. to Hercules the Legendary Journey. Yeah, it's like you're in my mm. mind, man, because I had that one written down, too. I'm like, of course, Xena's better than Hercules. Come on, man. You don't get lesbian <laughs> subtext in Hercules. <laughs> uh, um, I think my my pick, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think this, this might be a controversial pick, but I say uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. I was going to go there. Yeah, I think it's a spinoff. It is definitely, you know, it, it's the universe. They share some characters. They share... You know, plot points. Yeah, I, I am points, absolutely but. down with you. Next Generation is the best Star Trek series, period. It just is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what? The original series was great for its time, but the problem is if you you can't enjoy it as much. I, I look at next at original series and I go, that's freaking amazing that they did that in the late '60s. Good for yes. them. But yeah, Next Generation holds up much better, especially the later seasons. Totally agree. I have no, um, none, no none of the Doctor Who spinoffs are any good. I like Torchwood. Uh, true. Torchwood, Torchwood is fun. Torchwood's okay. But Class and the Sarah Jane and Canine and Company. Yeah. Eh, no. <laughs> Canine and Company's a kid's show, though. You got to give it that. No, you don't have to give it anything. <laughs> so is Sarah Jane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. Um, Screw that. Uh, and then I thought I would see more spinoffs from... Uh, like the soap opera Brie stuff, but Knott's Landing is the only one I found spun off of Dallas. I think the Carringtons came off of Dynasty, but who's going to remember yes. that? But Knott's Landing was ran it for Melrose Place, a, a Beverly Hills 90210 spin off? Yes, that yes. was too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of a, a built in thing. And then I don't consider is that it a really spin-off? superior, or is that just kind of the same it's just, thing? It's you know? just the same. But Knott's Landing has a distinction of, uh, having Lisa Hartman in the cast and earlier she was in the spinoff from Bewitched called Tabitha as a grown up Tabitha Stevens. So there's another weird connection. Oh. Her and Ken her and Ken Barry uh really really I, running this the spinoff. I only have one other spinoff thing to mention. because um, I know this is getting we're getting way in the weeds on spinoffs, but if you're a oh, geek yeah. enough to be following this, you're <laughs> one of our people. Um but I can't remember if Adam 12 begat Emergency 1 or if Emergency yes. 1 begat Adam 12. No, Adam um, 12 was, but was is, from 68 to 75 and Emergency started in 72 and ran till 79. Okay, well, there is a, a piece in, because they were always trying to tie those two shows together somehow. Um, and I mentioned this as we were talking about this show earlier, but there's a part of Emergency One where someone's in the waiting room and they're watching the television, and on the television is the sniper episode of Adam 12. And, okay, fine. You know, that it's a show <laughs> in the universe of... And a while later, there, someone's walking through... Not the same episode. A few episodes later, uh, Reed and McCory are in the emergency room as cops going, wow, you know... Uh, 
these these hospital people really work hard, don't they? Or something, you know, inane like that, just so they could show up. And I was like, wait a minute, they're either a TV show or they are cops in the emergency one universe, but that they did them both. <laughs> What's going on? Especially on a very reality based show uh, for the seventies. Maybe I, maybe that was the version of cops of its time and they were they were right along. Yeah, you know, it, maybe, it blew. Maybe it blew blew up Santa Claus for me. It blew up Jesus. It blew up the you know the Democratic Party. Everything this, gone. I don't believe really, in anything after this. This really does sound like an emergency to be addressed. One. <laughs> no, there's no one in the title. It's just emergency exclamation point. There's no oh, emergency one. one. I guess was the name of the 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 paramedic squad. Okay. Then. Okay. Because it was or also somebody didn't hit the shift key when they were trying to hit the exclamation point. And yeah. It was just a typo. S- something like yeah. that. <laughs> but Emergency was superior to Adam 12. Emergency was much more interesting. Okay. So I've got a, a few different things I want to ask you guys about on this topic. Hopefully. Okay. We'll beat it to death. Yeah. All right. Would you consider any of these to be spinoffs? The Dr. Phil show, the Dr. Oz show, or the Colbert report? Yes. Don't care. I don't. I can't yes. speak to the first two, but Colbert is definitely a spinoff of The Daily Show. Yeah. Was that character actually part of like the the Even Stevens or whatever segment, or was that a different Stephen Colbert? I don't know. There's a lot of I, Stephen Colberts I, out there. I think it was sort of like a primordial version of the Colbert character that we came to know. Uh, so yeah. it counts. I think. Okay. It, I think. It, yeah. Stephen Colbert just started being the conservative asshole on even even without even stevens he just turned into that as a foil to john stewart and it was so funny they gave him his own show and that's a spinoff uh the other two i would say are spinoffs because you know financially it was a play for more cash we want to get more of these oprah viewers watching our stuff give them their own show yeah yeah Yeah. it's totally okay all right so do these count as spinoffs Basically, the entire output in the early years of Adult Swim. So I'm talking Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, Sea Lab 2021, and then all of those spinoffs like the Brack Show and and uh, I, Cartoon Planet and all that. I all I know is that the Christmas special had the Brack Show Brack and it had the Space Ghost Brack. <laughs> and they were two different people. Can we all agree that mm-hmm. Brack is the freaking best? We can. Yeah. I would agree. Because uh, I'm cutting muffins. But <laughs> but are those spinoffs? Like, what is that? That's like re-editing. That, it's like sampling yeah. or remixing old I shows. Think, I think that becomes a very gray area. I don't know if that would count, but you could make a case for it. Definitely. I think it's uh, so meta that yeah. it is and it isn't. It's like it it is only so that they can point out how goofy hilarious this whole spin-off concept is. Yeah. That's probably a more concise way to put it. Thank you. That yeah. was that was the most amazing use of $15 to make a season of Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, and then finally are these spin-offs and this is getting harder now. Fuller House, Girl Meets uh, World, and whatever this new season of Roseanne we're about to get is. Well, having ah. not seen the Roseanne, uh, I would say yes to all three. I don't know. I know what you're saying. Because it's like 
mostly the same cast, and it's the same. It's basically just a return. I mean, yeah, Will and like, Grace is doing is it. Back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gilmore Girls started it. How, it's how really out, the same and show. But how like out of ideas season. are we? Yeah. Like, now I don't, it's I don't okay, know fine. Is, it's 25 years later and this uh, show is back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know well, that that's a spinoff, though. If all of the, like, the Brady Brides is a spinoff of the Brady Bunch, then I guess this mm. is a spinoff. Well, then, yeah, so would But Young can Sh- Roseanne be a spinoff if it's still called Roseanne? It's, it's just Roseanne. It's, Same with Will and yeah. Grace. It's a tough one. That would probably uh, be more like a, I don't know, a continuation. It's like a zombie show. I mean, it's, it's back I from think, the dead. Yeah, it's I not think like it's a new category. The same way Amame is a new flavor. This is a new category of spinoff. <laughs> yeah, it's not like <laughs> it's not like Young Sheldon or Better Call Saul or any of the traditional spinoff uh, elements. So it's that's another gray area. Uh, but I would mm. say yes, sure. Hey, why not? Hey, can I can I can I blow your minds with a a factoid? This this very podcast is a spinoff. Fuck off. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> because I was doing the difficult podcast in episode six. I, uh, uh, Kevin, who I did difficult podcast with, couldn't make it. So I called up Chris and said, let's, let's talk some shit about Batman. And that's the first episode of the Magnificently Huge podcast. You're blowing my mind, man. Blowing my, mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, my life is a lie. Uh, I live in a spinoff. So lastly, I'm going to bring up, and, and I don't know if I'm the only one that actually did his homework on this portion, but during our, our uh, prep for the show leading up to it, when we do our little goofy chats back and forth, someone had brought up the idea of uh, bringing an idea for a spinoff that you want made. Did anybody do that? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I totally forgot to do that. Uh, we, can, right. we can do it off the top of our heads. I can think of one right now. I want to do Super Train. I want a spinoff <laughs> of Super Train. And, okay. and this one would be like Super Duper Train. And it would be a train that goes all the way around the world. And there's all these these bridges in the ocean so it can go over the ocean. And so you've got ocean <laughs> stories. And now and again, it passes the love boat. And Super Duper Train. And then okay. we can have international stories. And celebrities, but not A-list yeah. celebrities. We need like D-list no, celebrities. C and D, yeah. Kathy yeah. Griffin is hitting on that other Baldwin brother, uh, <laughs> uh, but that other Baldwin brother is about to join the priesthood. And okay. yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> I see it. Well, since uh, Brian, I'm going to let you stew on yours and you can you can put in your I'll mulligan try. you can put in your mulligan if you need to uh but i was thinking about uh spin-offs that deal with characters that they roll into other shows and so uh i thought of a show that i want to call Mr. Horseshack and it's a spin-off <laughs> of well <laughs> it's a sp- <laughs> it's a sp- Oh my god, you win. You win. <laughs> so, but you, but you let me do my elevator pitch. Damn. Okay. Uh, so, so it's a spin-off of Welcome Back Cotter, obviously, for those of you who have ever seen Welcome Back Cotter. Horshack is the kid who has the, the dumb laugh and says ooh ooh ooh. Uh, but he's typically they portrayed him as the smart one of the Sweat Hog bunch. So, uh, inspired by his teacher and mentor, Mr. Cotter, Arnold Dingfelder Horshack, that's his full name I found out, uh, works his way 
works his way through night school to become a teacher with the help of his childhood sweetheart and wife, Mary Johnson. Because if you remember, he married this girl at the end of Cotter. Uh, but rather than return to the inner city, he gets a job teaching at a prestigious prep school uh, and learns how to cope with his or to reach out to his students while coping with his snooty colleagues uh, as only a sweat hog can. So you, you turn the tables. So mm-hmm. instead of him being the goofy kid in class, he's now the goofy teacher in class. I, I just want to explain my explosion of laughter, which is you have capsulized everything about the spinoff that is, <laughs> you know, typical and wrong, which is you've got a character from the original. You've got probably the least popular character from the original. Right. You're playing off of the, the concept of the original they came from. And it's it, you know nothing about it would be terribly funny except the idea that oh shit they made <laughs> yeah. mr horshack well my theme song also would be uh the song welcome back by mace which was basically sampling the theme song from welcome back cotter while he rapped <laughs> over it <laughs> so that's it but then i went one step further because i just couldn't stop thinking about it i thought well shit after a season or two when the ratings totally flop i really got to figure out how to retool this thing and so then i thought well uh he's friends with the the physics teacher at the school named mr otto and he learns that he's got a time machine in the basement that he's been filling with and so horshack falls into it and gets transported back to 1975 uh, and basically, it's like a butterfly effect where Mr. Cotter winds up not being a teacher. He goes off to be a professional gambler instead. So Horshack, as his adult self, has to go to James Buchanan High School and teach his younger self and the Sweat Hogs. And then uh, through the course of it, he develops a relationship with Mary Johnson, who is his wife in the future, and he gets busted for being <laughs> for being a sexual predator and goes to jail. You're blowing my mind, dude. <laughs> So, I went too far. I went too far. No, no, you did not. That that is that is genius work, sir. I I've taken my mulligan. Chris wins. Okay, yay! <laughs> That's like two weeks talk? in a row, Mister Horshack. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Horshack. I think I think we've we've as Howard Stern says. I think we've said it all. I think we've said it all. <laughs> I think so. Thanks again for listening to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Uh, We love putting these things together. I hope you enjoyed it. If you're listening to this right now, you must have, because this is at the end, so you listen to the whole thing. You can't say you didn't like it. That's like eating your entire meal and then complaining to the manager that it wasn't cooked right. So if you're listening to this now, please share it with some people you know. I mean, we're not making any money off of this. We're not running any ads. We just want to get the word out and get some discussion going and have some fun so magnificentlyhuge.com is our site where someday we'll put something on it there's really nothing there we're at maghuge on twitter magnificently huge podcast on facebook at any rate i'm eric that was brian and chris and we look forward to talking to you again next week